Sports Professor Rick Harrow, and we are on the record. Every week, this podcast will take you inside the $1.3 trillion business of sports, the top deal-making issues, the top tech issues, and the top social responsibility issues, plus a blockbuster interview with someone who you might not have heard from in the world of sports, but having a profound effect on its impact. Let's get started. Sports Professor Rick Harrow and so the $1.3 trillion business of sports getting bigger every year. Happy New Year, everybody. 2022, bigger and better, maybe more than $1.3 trillion. We've gotten through last year and COVID probably, hopefully, come back on the way. Let's go through the top issues we expect to look for in 2022, 15 to 1. 15, Anthony Joshua versus Tyson Fury could be the end of a 2022 fight fan's dream according to plan if everything happens. Maybe on the cards in 2022, Usyk saw 13.6 million Joshua's purse before, enough to bring these guys to the table. Number 14, Canelo Alvarez looks to continue his dominance across the entire sport of boxing. His move to cruiserweight could be in his future this year, and nothing's guaranteed, but 2022 looks to be a huge year for the Mexican star as he further cements himself amongst the goats of boxing. 13, female baseballer Genevieve Beacom becomes the first female pitcher to pitch in Australia's top-tier Australian Baseball League. Looking poised on the mound, she held her own under-16 competition, got the job done time and time again. ERA? 0.00. Pretty darn good. Number 12. The UFC looks to continue their torrid stretch and outperform a very profitable 2021 this year, especially by selling even more pay-per-views. In a year where the sport looks to grow even more, it's important for other fighters to fill the void left by Conor McGregor. He won't be able to fight until at least April or May. The top paydays last year, of course, were his. Number 11. 2022 will be the best year ever for sports betting, at least according to Gambling Global Market Opportunities and their study. $565 billion by the year end, a growth rate of almost 6% on an annual basis. 2021 being a record year for the industry, and with various leagues signing sports betting partnerships or partnering with sports books, the door wide open for 2022 to be an even greater year. That's number 11. Number 10. North Carolina could be coming around on the sports betting train with the recent legislation introduced in November. The tides are turning. People can bet money under the table. This would bring it open, says some of the politicians who were opposed before. What's the reason? Revenue, revenue, revenue. And the only solution to legalize sports betting in the Assembly this year, and it looks ever so likely. That's number 10. Number 9. Massachusetts could be feeling the pressure and finally legalize sports betting this year. Neighboring New England areas already approved. The consulting firm Global Market Advisors talks about how important it is for Massachusetts to generate some of these dollars. During an interview that aired on WCVB's On the Record, Treasurer Deborah Goldberg renewed her conviction that the lottery must be allowed to sell its products online if sports books are going to be allowed to accept wagers online. Sports betting and debate around lottery protections could feature prominently in the 2022 end-of-season bustle on Beacon Hill if Senate chooses to engage in the issue that the House approved 
fairly unanimously, and that's number nine. Number eight, California could be welcoming sports betting this year. With four ballot initiatives possible in November, the odds are in their favor. One proposal earmarks 70% of taxes on their operations to be spent on a variety of state general fund programs. Another measure indicates already fundraising with $100 million in campaign account included in the dollars that are available. And according to a report by PlaySA.com, the proposal would embrace homelessness and mental health funding for government fees or taxes, guaranteed commitment of infrastructure, a very interesting trend. Number seven, Bancaro or Holmgren? That's the question. Whether nobler on the mind to suffer the slings and arrows of outrageous fortune, take the arms against the sea of trouble by opposing, end them. <laughs> the debate seemingly held yearly with all the talent in college basketball, and now it's Duke's number one and Gonzaga's number one. Both guys already made the most of their NIL deals as they both have locked up quality partnerships. After signing with CAA and becoming a player in the new 2K game, Banquero signed a trading card deal with Panini America back in September. He was the first college basketball player to have an exclusive multi-year NIL trading card deal with Panini. As for Holmgren, back in October, he signed with WME Sports to prepare for future NIL deals. A great race to follow and fascinating to see who goes number one. That's number seven. Number six, the Yankees look to get back on track, becoming a year returning to their dominance that earned their reputation. With the 2010s being the first decade, the Yankees failed to bring home the hardware since the 1980s. Something has got to change, and the Yankees, worth about $5.25 billion, are the wealthiest franchise in Major League Baseball. Their valuation is 5% more than last year. The Yankees are one of three North American teams, along with the Cowboys at 5.7, and the Knicks at 5, worth at least 5. And there's no denying their pedigree and amazing reputation, but the team's got to get back to their dominant ways. The revenue set to increase. Are they going to play at all? We'll have to see. The league set for a 19% annual average increase from 2022 through 2028 with media. That's six. Number five, whether another go-around at the Hall of Fame will commence this year, but it could finally be the year that steroid era gets its true recognition. And every year, the debate over whether players like Barry Bonds and Alex Rodriguez deserve to be elected to the Hall is brought up. This year could be the year people finally realize their accomplishments and accolades are not purely attributed to steroid usage. Seeing as to how Ivan Rodriguez got elected recently, despite his usage, the doors could be opening and swinging open. Roger Clemens, Mark McGuire, we'll have to see. Manny Ramirez, A-Rod, Bonds, Clemens, and Ortiz, among potential inductees for 2022, steroids are all over this year's ballot. That's number five. Number four, when you take a look at some of the issues that are the biggest ones we're counting down. Big changes could be coming to the MLB before the season start. Assuming we have a season, while any significant progress hasn't been made, it's early. Rob Manfred clamoring for games to be shorter, yet in the last three years, the game time increased every season. Seven inning double headers, the DH may be universal, starting runners at second in the 10th inning, 
and all negotiations still stagnant, the landscape and rules that come with it could be drastically different come this season's commencement. That's number four. Number three, John Madden passes away at 85. His role in the game, however, will live on forever. EA Sports, Madden 23, probably Madden on the cover, and the Ask Madden feature, which has been significant. He certainly revolutionized the Raiders. He revolutionized broadcasting. Now he revolutionized a video game. That's three. Number two, college football championship is set, obviously, Georgia and Alabama. Alabama looks to repeat the performance come January 10 that they just had. Georgia wants to repeat their entire season before Alabama. The economic impact sure to be huge in Indy as Lucas Oil Stadium sets for the clash of the Titans. Number one, the granddaddy of them all lived up to its height. A heated affair between Utah and OSU goes down as an all-time classic. Sold-out crowd cheering for four hours worth of entertainment. 20,000 last year due to the pandemic. For conferences that have contracts for their champions to participate in the Orange, Rose, or Sugar, the base combined with full academic performance pool approximately $57 million for each conference. Pac-10, excuse me, Big Ten Pac-12 saw a nice payday following this historic game, and that's number one. All of it focuses on big-time sports and big-time events. We just talked about it as two of the top five. And somebody who has had a hand in mega events, originally in New Orleans and then all over the country, now all over the world, Doug Thornton. He's run the Superdome in New Orleans for many years, Mercedes-Benz and now Caesars. And he is the head of ASM Global North America, the company, I'm sure you've heard, 300 arena, stadium, convention centers, exhibition centers, performing arts centers, 23 million square feet of convention space and exhibition space, and 2.7 million seats under management. He's not through. He's shepherding a vertical integration and growth around North America. He is incredibly important to talk to about bowls, college sports, the future of mega events, the future of facilities. What a great time to have Doug Thornton. Sports professor Rick Carl inside the $1.3 trillion business of sports. We're here with a father, maybe grandfather, maybe great-grandfather of the industry. Doug Thornton started at the Superdome years ago. Now it's the Caesar Superdome. He's gone through so many configurations and iterations. I'll let him tell you about the company that he's currently managing a significant division of. Doug, it's always great to see you. Thank you for allowing me into your house. Thank you, Rick. Great to see you as well. Well, a lot to talk about. This is a big weekend for New Orleans and for Louisiana. We got Mississippi Baylor here. You got the Saints and the Panthers the next day. Uh, this is big New Year's weekend for uh, New Orleans, but it's also Sugar Bowl NFL weekend. What does that do for you and to you here? Well, it's a great lift for the city, number one. Uh, you know, we didn't have an opportunity to have a Sugar Bowl last year with fans which was very disappointing. And uh, we've got two great teams here tonight, and we've got a quick turnaround this evening. 
uh, for a Saints game tomorrow. And I think most people don't realize what happens in the overnight hours after a Sugar Bowl. But uh, tonight, as soon as this game is over, uh, we'll have about 480 employees come through here to clean the building, restock all the concession stands, move the networks out, paint the field, get it ready for Saints-Panthers tomorrow to play a game at 325. So it's going to be a big weekend in New Orleans. Uh, it's great for our economy. Our hotels, our restaurants uh, that have all been suffering, not only from the COVID impact, but also the post-Ida, Hurricane Ida impact that, uh, that need this business. So it's good for our city. Well, it's good for the city. And frankly, we'll talk about your company and what it does nationally and internationally in a minute. But we've done these interviews before, especially after 2005, and what Katrina did. And you are a hero because of what happened here. You were, uh, honored me with a chapter in the Sport Business Handbook. But going down in the Ninth Ward yesterday, Lower Ninth Ward, just to see it, still needs a lot of work. But I would argue that this building and sports has had more of a profound impact on what the future of New Orleans has been than almost any other sports venue and team in the country. What's your thought about all that? Well, there's no doubt in my mind about that. Uh, this building was constructed in 1975, opened in 1977, and has been iconic in the sports uh, industry. But what it's done for New Orleans is put us on the map in terms of the big events. And, um, you know, after Katrina, there was concern that it wouldn't be rebuilt. Of course, we were able to rebuild it. And since then, we've hosted Super Bowls, Final Fours, WrestleManias. Uh, but it means so much to the economy. But it's not just uh, the big events that we bring in here. It's the Saints that play every week. You know, we were at risk of losing our NFL team when this building was in jeopardy. And it meant so much to the city to have them come back. And, uh, and of course, come back not only uh, to, be, to be in New Orleans, but to win a Super Bowl and uh, have a great history here. So uh, this building probably does mean more to this city than perhaps any other building in a downtown area in the country. And then one more New Orleans perspective thought, too. Uh, we don't have to rank New Orleans relative to other NFL cities or otherwise, but it's, it, is, it is a known fact that the uh, corporate support, the economic base, it's not as strong as it is in a lot of other cities as well. You've got to work twice as hard. There's no doubt about that. Uh, our city um, probably ranks uh, near the, and is near the bottom of the NFL rankings, uh, probably 29, 30 out of 32 teams in terms of the demographics here. Uh, so the Saints work very, very hard. Uh, we work very hard to make sure that our season ticket holders are uh, well taken care of. Uh, we try to improve our fan experience every game. In fact, uh, we're in the process right now of renovating the Superdome yet again. Uh, we're about halfway finished with a $450 million project that will be concluded in time for the Super Bowl in 2025. Uh, we have the Final Four coming up here in April of 22. So we're going to pause the construction for that period of time but get back to work uh, after the football season next year uh, to finish the work. But it'll be transformative. Uh, it'll be work that will allow this building to continue for another 15, 20, 25 years. All the naysayers who struggle and angle for the last paragraph in a Wall Street Journal economic development article by saying there's no economic impact for sports or entertainment or concerts can never argue with the mega events, people coming in from out of town and spending a lot of money, especially in a tourist destination like a New Orleans. You mentioned you've had 10, 11 Super Bowls, Final Four this April, on and on and on. Is there any question that New Orleans is one of the, if not the leader, at maximizing economic impact from major events? 
Well, certainly we've got a long history. I think, uh, you know, the frequency is, is not as great as it used to be. I mean, we probably get a Super Bowl now every 10 years. It used to be every four or five. Uh, that's just because there are great cities out there like Los Angeles and Minneapolis have built a new stadium that are competitors now. Atlanta has a brand new stadium. So there are other great cities too, but I think people still enjoy coming to New Orleans because of the uh, the, uh, the character of the city and the fact that it's a walkable city. You know, we've got 30,000 hotel rooms within just a few blocks of the uh, the Superdome. The convention center is less than a mile away. And, of course, the French Quarter that's been here over 300 years is the reason people uh, like to come and enjoy the food and the music. So you put all that together, it's a great combination. The blessing and curse of Doug Thornton is now he is a little less focused on New Orleans and a lot more focused on basically having a significant input in an international company. Talk about the company and your role with it. Well, um, the company is ASM Global, uh, was merged uh, AEG uh, facilities and SMG. People may remember those two names. Uh, The merger took place in October of 2019, and uh, we've had about four and a half, five months uh, to integrate the two companies before the pandemic shut us down. And um, we've been very active since uh, coming out of the pandemic. Uh, Basically, our reactivation of venues started in July of 2021. We kicked off Uh, with a sold-out Garth Brook concert at the Allegiant Stadium, which is the home of the Las Vegas Raiders. Beautiful new uh, property there. And we haven't looked back since. um, We're predicting a very, very good 2022 for our venues. My division is the Arena Stadium and Theater Division. We have 96 different accounts. That represents probably 180 different buildings in different market sizes all over the country. Arenas, stadiums, and theaters, seven NFL stadiums, 68 arenas, and 57 theaters to be exact. So uh, it's a big operation, uh, great company, uh, very aggressive, and uh, looking forward to continuing our, our growth. So stated another way, you are a significant leader in the biggest company of its kind in the world. Clearly, it's not a bad idea and not a bad situation for Doug Thorne. few questions from a international perspective on that. Uh, the industry shut down when Rudy Gobert tested positive in March 11, 2020. We all remember exactly when that was. And a lot of people didn't think we were coming back in any context. Some people thought it would come back in a disastrous context. I've said the $1.3 trillion business was hurt about 40%. It'll recover. What's your thought of where we are today and how quick the comeback has been and where we're going? Well, um, I think most of us never thought we would be down for 18 to 20 months. Um, You know, that that, uh, incident you referred to actually happened at the uh, Oklahoma City Thunder game. It's a building that we managed there for the the city. Uh, So I was uh, sitting in my office and got the call at the time he tested positive, and I remember how the cascade of events took place. Uh, Within 48 hours, all the conference basketball tournaments had been shut down in many of our venues. So we thought it would be three to four months, we'd be back to business, but here it is, it's almost two years. Uh, I think we're going to continue to see, you know, some, some variants that will, um, that, will, that will hit us from time to time, but I think the world is learning to live now with, the, uh, with uh, COVID. Um, we established early on a program called Venue Shield, uh, which are our health and safety protocols that have been rolled out to all of our 325 buildings worldwide. It was a collaboration of our entire company uh, coming together and putting together these protocols, uh, which are housed in a program we call OSCAR, 
which is basically a digital vault of all of our best practices. Uh, and I think, uh, you know, by using Venue Shield to reactivate all of our venues, uh, it's allowed us to get open a lot more quickly uh, in a safer manner. Uh, and we have a consistency of delivering uh, that safety to the fans. I think it's something we're going to have to live with, unfortunately, going forward. Hopefully the, vi the virus will be milder, as we're seeing with Omicron. It's, uh, it's less impactful, uh, but yet it's still, it's still out there. The biggest challenge we faced in the last several months has been the labor shortage. Uh, and that is really, I think, a product of uh, multiple factors. One is the, uh, the vaccination requirements and testing requirements that, uh, that are mandated in terms of uh, these jurisdictions. Every jurisdiction is different, uh, but you know it takes roughly 3,000 people to run a football game on any given Sunday, and uh, we're required to test uh, those that are not vaccinated, and uh, we're required to have uh, proof of vaccination for not only the fans, but for the, the workers. Um, the other uh, factor is that you know many people have left the industry. You know We probably lost 20 to 30 percent of the industry professionals. Some retired and didn't want to come back after they were uh, laid off and, and, and others just left the business uh, to completely to go into other areas. Um, so retraining and re-educating the workforce has been a challenge. Uh, those, are, those are probably some of the bigger factors that we've had to deal with this year. Let's look forward for just another minute. Uh, in 1919, when 700,000 people died of the Spanish flu, uh, there was a lot of discussion about using sports and infrastructure as an economic development tool to get us back to the Roaring Twenties. Yankee Stadium built with public money, public some public assistance to help on that one. The whole idea of infrastructure, whether it's Build Back Better or whether it's uh, a payroll program to get people back to work quicker, is something that the sports and entertainment industry can respond to in a very positive way you being a guru in the industry, capital G, talk about that for a minute. Well, we're, we're seeing that happen right here. I mean, we're, we're, we're uh, undergoing a $450 million renovation uh, that's going to be a four-year project, and the, uh, the employment just around that alone, uh, the economic impact on the, uh, the, the workforce is tremendous. Uh, so if you could uh, use infrastructure dollars to make improvements to sports facilities or recreational facilities in various communities, there's no doubt that will pay dividends. Final question for Doug Thornton. You've been in this industry for many, many, many years, seen a lot of changes, good or bad. Crystal ball, what's the industry look like five years from now? And can we all be excited that it's moving in the right direction? Boy, that's a tough one, Rick. I would say um, I think the consumer habits are going to change. You know, the way people consume uh, a game today is so different than when I got in the business many years ago. We're seeing people bringing two and three devices, you know, to the game. Uh, one to track their fantasy football club, the other to watch replays live on their phone. Uh, so I think, you know, the consumption of the product uh, in the stadium is different. Uh, the way that people move in and around the space is going to be different. The way they uh, order their uh, food and drink at a stadium is going to be different. We're seeing that today with the way that you can walk into a market uh, uh, setup and walk out without having to pay. It's on your phone. Uh, you know, facial recognition. Technology is going to change everything. I think the way people arrive at the stadium and the way they exit the stadium is going to change, whether it's light rail, whether it's, uh, you know, uh, Uber. Uh, it's just we won't need a lot of the physical aspects of the building that we have today. And I think there's going to probably be, 
some changes in the way we handle manpower. You know, with if we um, if we see concession trends continue the way they're 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 going now, um, we can do more with um, kiosk and mobile ordering uh, that cuts down on the need for the number of personnel uh, that uh, that may otherwise be required. So I think there's going to be some positive changes. One thing for sure, people are still going to want the live experience. They still want to socialize. They want to be in a setting and enjoy a football game or a baseball game or any sporting event for that matter with their friends. Doug Thornton gives us amazing perspective as we see and will continue to move forward. Let's look at the top tech issues, but let's go five to one for 2022. Number five, all of the issues seem to be important, but Solana-based sports betting protocol BetDEX closes a $21 million seed funding round. Nigel Eccles, he serves as the non-executive chair, the FanDuel co-founder, and what we see is that all of these companies are generating additional revenue even beyond their current space. Number four, the innovative mobile gaming company FanUp raises over $4 million in an oversubscribed Seed 2 round. Even bigger year in 2022, the growth exponential. Number three, Stat Hero. The head-to-head -head daily fantasy sports app raised $4 million in Series A. And back in October, Stat Hero launched Parlays, which allows Parlays to choose two or three H2H lineup for players. They can choose with a handful of players and multiply their payouts. That's number three. Number two, Status Pro's final seed round closed last month, with them bringing their total investment to over $5 million. Naomi Osaka... Aubrey Graham, Drake, and others are invested in all of this. Yeah, that's his name. It's Drake. Osaka and Drake bring another dimension as entertainment giants as Status Pro looks to cement themselves this year even bigger. Number one, The Athletic looking to sell and exploring different avenues. Potential suitors from Axios to DraftKings to The New York Times. The website hits its six-year anniversary this month. It doesn't turn a profit, but it certainly is very important journalistically. And those are your top five tech issues for 2022. We'll end with the top five good sports issues, as we always do. Big philanthropic time for 2022 and beyond. Number five, Trevor Whitman, two current clients as champion, and Justin Gates potentially becoming the third. Elite coaches like Randy Couture, Eric Nixack, Rafael Codero look to get their guys back to the top as far as UFC is concerned. Number four, the Russian Czech junior hockey teams were removed from their plane en route to Frankfurt for an exhibition game. The teams were going home from the junior championships in Red Deer, canceled Wednesday due to COVID. COVID obviously a big issue and how we respond is even bigger. Number three, Jake Paul finally brought up a good point. Whether he'll be the team that typed it or not, advocating for fighter and pay benefits. How about that? UFC and MMA might be fighting unions. Number two, Vancouver Canucks equipment manager Brian Red Hamilton thinks the Seattle Kraken fan noticed his melanoma at their inaugural home game. The instincts were right. It changed his life. It just tells you how important aware fans could be, everybody in it together. Finally, number one, Big Ben, we're not sure. We think he's hanging up his pads 
everybody talking about him as a shoe-in for the Hall of Fame. Before the last two games of the year, he's thrown for over 63,000 yards. The bottom line is he has become somebody that everybody is worth and wants to watch, philanthropically as well. We'd like to thank everybody involved in this show. We'd like to thank Doug Thornton. He and his company doing great things in facility management, development, and the way facilities are treated and branded across North America and the world. I'd like to thank Nick Nielsen for helping us put this together and all of the folks who are interested in this show and this podcast as we continue to survive and thrive. We'd like to thank you all for being involved and joining us next time when we go further inside the $1.3 trillion business of sports. I'm the sports professor, Ricaro. Speak with you soon.